Well, the province, we have officially entered phase two of the reopening and plenty of COVID headlines to discuss with vaccine researcher Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, who joins us each and every Wednesday and is here now with us on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Dr. Gorfinkel, good afternoon. Good afternoon and thanks for having me. Okay, first question. Uh, Hair salons, they are finally open the first time since uh, November. I've got Saturday at 9 a.m. Have you got your appointment? (laughs) <laughs> you know what? I had to say it, but my hairdresser, who is also vaccinated, met with me in advance and gave me this hairdo, which I hope meets the grade. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I was super excited. I was biting at the bit. Can't wait. All right. I think there's a lot of people very excited about hair salons, personal care services uh, reopening as well. And just first off, what is your take on the reopening. Here we are, the first day of phase two. Are you comfortable with the reopening or are you concerned a little bit about it? I think we're doing it at the rate at which we should do it. I actually am in agreement with it. You know, now that so many people have been vaccinated, we're sitting close to 80% of those individuals 12 and up having been vaccinated. And over a fifth has not, have now received that second dose, which is super exciting. But it is important to understand that second dose is critical because the first dose, one dose, two weeks after getting that, how much, how much protection does a person have against that Delta variant? Answer, 33%. Not acceptable enough. But that second dose, if it's Pfizer, it boosts it to 88%. We're talking symptomatic disease. Both Pfizer and AstraZeneca are known to reduce hospitalization and severe disease to practically zero. So basically, after two weeks after getting that second dose, the likelihood of going to hospital with COVID-19 or dying from it or getting admitted to an ICU is extremely low. It takes a what could be a common event and turns it into a rare one. In other words, it's a vaccine-preventable disease. Got that second dose. All right. So having said that, uh, there is talk about bumping up perhaps phase three of the reopening, which uh, I believe includes uh, gyms. They are very anxious to get to open once again. Right now, it's just a limited capacity outdoor exercise. And I know that Ontario's new top doctor was asked about this yesterday, and his answer was pretty much a stay the course. But if we continue to see uh, this rate of second vaccinations continue to climb, should we be considering, do you think, maybe bumping up that uh, next stage of reopening? The reason why originally we said we're going to wait a minimum of 21 days between stages is simply because hospitalizations lag behind case numbers. You know, so that extra time gives us time not only to get more people vaccinated with that second dose. And keep in mind, we're just over 20% at this point. You know, we're almost at one in four people, but it's that second dose that really boosts the immunity. So we get we have more time to get people vaccinated. We have time to get that vaccine to work. And moreover, time to see the real effect on case numbers and hospitalizations. Hospitalizations and us will still lag behind. So that Delta variant is not to be underestimated. We've got to keep ahead of the curve instead of like so much of the time before. We were always reactive. This is about being proactive, keeping ahead of the curve. Okay, when we talk about being ahead of the curve, right now, Canada, we are among the world leaders when it comes to a doses and population rate. Do you expect or do you think, Dr. Gorfinkel, that we're getting close to hitting, I don't know, some sort of vaccination ceiling? 
I think we're still far from that. You know, you look at that, the number of second doses we have to give out, we still have a long way to go. You know, so the numbers, as I mentioned, you know, with we're hardly at one in four having received that second dose. But will we eventually hit it? Yes, but that's not at least for, and this is to be conservative, two, three months. And what's going to happen after that is hopefully we'll be focusing on vaccinating our children. Because don't forget, the only game in town right now is Pfizer for 12 and over. But what's going to happen is Pfizer is busy at the lab desk working on their clinical trials for children as young as six months. And so hopefully by September, we'll have some data and hopefully we'll have an approval by Health Canada so that this population, this critical population, can get vaccinated. All right. I want to talk a bit about uh, kids and COVID as well and uh, vaccines. And as it stands uh, right now, Dr. Gorfinkel, what options do we have when it comes to our children and vaccines and getting vaccinated? Yeah. So as I said, there's only one game in town and that's Pfizer, but that could change. Moderna has submitted its, its uh, findings to Health Canada And what did they find? As Pfizer had found a 100% efficacy in reducing COVID-19 in children aged 12 to 17. So that's super compelling data, which begs the question, why hasn't Health Canada given Moderna approval as yet for that age group? It is truly a race to get kids vaccinated as well. Not so much because they get so sick from the disease. They actually account for less than 2% of hospitalizations, that's data according to Canada's health info base, but because they can in fact transmit the disease. There is emerging data too that says that kids can in fact get sick, especially kids who have pre-existing conditions, who are obese, but basically in kids it tends to be self-limited with 50% having no symptoms at all but that the fact that they can and do transmit COVID-19 is a serious issue. All right. Just how important is it when it comes to uh, back to school, kids and vaccines and getting vaccinated and the ability for kids to uh, have a vaccine? Uh, Everybody seems to be uh, the government, uh, teachers, educators, all targeting uh, the fall for return to school, uh, back to in-class learning. Just how dependent is that going to be on vaccinations? At this point in time, it's not going to make it or break it. Kids are going back to school in the fall, irregardless of what Iris Gorfinkel or other doctors are saying. That's happening. There are serious harms when kids are not in school. They are our first priority, without any doubt. But having said that, we should not let the summer go to waste. I'm greatly concerned. Are we making the most of the summer vacations that we have and ensuring that school buildings are safe? What do I mean by that? We know that the virus spreads by aerosols, very, very small particulates that hang in the air, kind of like cigarette smoke. So what could be done for now? Well, we could make sure, for example, that filtration system, HVAC systems are up and running, that they're properly installed, inspected, that they're in fact maintained. You know, the teachers are aware to keep doors open, like to get the word out, keep your doors and windows open when you're going back to school. This keeps teachers safe, janitors safe, and of course the children themselves. It lessens the likelihood of them contracting the virus. And it will be important to maintain masks, especially initially. Stay ahead of the curve, 
don't risk transmission unnecessarily. Okay, should educators and teachers, should they feel confident returning to the uh, classroom if they've had both doses and they're fully vaccinated, even if, uh, you know, school kids uh, remain unvaccinated? Well, the vaccine efficacy is very important, right? The fact that we know that after two weeks after getting that second dose of Pfizer, they're 88% protected against symptomatic disease. They're almost certainly not going to go to hospital. Similar numbers for AstraZeneca, not quite as good when it comes to reducing symptomatic disease, 60% reduction. But having said that, you know, both shots are not going to lead to hospitalization. Like it greatly cuts that. But I think the better message is the numbers worldwide are still really high. And, and in many countries, they're still going up. So Canada's conundrum is this. As we open our borders and as travel increases, and because the numbers are increasing so much in other countries, it invites the potential for new variants. Every single case represents the potential for a new variant to be born. Sure, most of the mutations don't result in that, but occasionally you have a mutation that makes the virus either more contagious or is more resistant to vaccination or makes people sicker. So that's the problem. Can we necessarily rely on the current vaccines we have to predict tomorrow's variants? And the answer to that is unfortunately no. You know, we know that the vaccines we have are effective against the current variants, but we can't necessarily assume the same thing for tomorrow's emerging variants. Sure. All right. Just uh, finally, uh, Dr. Gore Finkel, I want to ask you about pregnancy and COVID, because I know you've been getting a lot of questions about that uh, yourself. And what risks does COVID-19 pose to pregnant women? You know, this is that, you know, initially we didn't think there was a signal. But now there's been a lot of research done that shows pregnant women are, in fact, a high-risk group. They're more likely, if they, if they should contract COVID-19 during pregnancy, they're more likely to have things like gestational diabetes, preterm labor. They're more likely to have preeclampsia. This is super frightening. They're more likely to deliver a dead baby, a stillbirth. So it's for reasons like this that the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and the Canadian counterpart, the Society of Gynecologists and Obstetricians in Canada, are saying, no exceptions, get vaccinated. Pregnancy is a high-risk state. And frankly, COVID-19 is a vaccine-preventable disease. Any stage in pregnancy, including the first trimester, should get vaccinated. Now, this is a bit of an issue because a lot of pregnant women are very vaccine hesitant and understandably so. But the only vaccines that are truly contraindicated are vaccines that are viral containing. They have virus in it. So what are we talking? Measles, mumps, rubella, and chickenpox. Those are the main ones that are no-nos. But aside from that, Tetanus diphtheria pertussis is actually recommended at 27 to 29 weeks. And when it comes to COVID-19, it's every stage of pregnancy you can get that and get that safely. Of course, that's an individual decision, but I just share with you what I would recommend to my own patients. All right, and we appreciate it as always. Got to leave it there for now. Vaccine researcher, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. Dr. Gorfinkel, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much. Many thanks, Jeff. Always a pleasure. 